from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Yep. <coughs> Ready to roll? Ready to roll. Michelle King on the RiderFlex podcast. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you're here. We, Our friend Heather introduced us. I'm glad you're on the show. I I looked you up, studied you, looked at the company, and I thought, oh, yeah, she'll be a great guest. So I appreciate <laughs> you being here. Hopefully uh, I am worthy by the end of the interview. Yeah. Are you in Longmont, Colorado? We are indeed. Yes. Hey, I, you know what? I love Longmont. I think it's a great town. I, I, it is uh, an exploding town right now. It didn't used to be that way 20 years ago, but now it is. Uh, the complexion of it has, has dramatically changed. Yeah, it's a great town. My my partner, my co-founder Scott, he lives in Broomfield, and I live up in Johnstown near near Loveland. Oh yeah. And so and so when we meet, Longmont's like a, a very kind of in the middle. And so, if we're going to happy hour or dinner, we're meeting. We're, we need to talk business. Like we meet there all the time. And yeah, uh, so it's it's great. a it's really grown, and the restaurant base has grown. Of course, now it's a little little odd going on right now, but uh, they're they're really trying hard uh, to drive small business to to Longmont. Now, you're not from Colorado, right? Are you from the East Coast? I am. I was born and raised in Maryland and lived there until I was um, 30 and then uh, moved to moved to Colorado. So, you know, everybody that's from Baltimore, not everybody, people that grew up in Baltimore, there, there's this um, there's 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 this little bit of edge. There's a little there's a little like uh, direct communication, very confident very you know uh, there's no hesitation just very a very confident kind of direct communicator does that, that sound right that is 110 percent correct yes yes <laughs> yes i am uh very to the point one of our one of our tenants here at the company is let's just rip the band-aid off and get it over with so if there's a problem you know let's not hide the fact that there's this big elephant standing in the room because guess what everybody can see it in my mind everybody can see it so yes i'm very direct and, and to the point and that sort of navigated my my career it was interesting i was watching a youtube clip of you being interviewed by somebody before i actually looked up where you were from and i right away i'm like oh she's from the east coast <laughs> <laughs> you've been, you've been You've been softened a little bit, right? You've been, you've been uh, soft. You've been watered down just a tad. It took about ten years. I will I will admit it took about ten years to to get to the point where I'm like, the game plays different here. It it yeah. just it just it's the same game, but uh, in my business, it, it, you approach the game a little bit differently here than you do <laughs> on the East Coast. Um, yeah, they're not overly sensitive on the East Coast when it comes to getting deals done. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Let's make it right. happen to the next one. Right, right, right. Totally agree. So, okay, so you, you grew up there, went to the University of Baltimore, what, majored in business? I did. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Tell me about your family life early on, mom, dad, siblings, stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, four kids. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. I have a younger sister that's eight years younger than I am. She's the baby. Um, older brother is a state trooper. My other brother works for a big food distribution company. Uh, my, my younger sister is a landscape ar architect designer. Um, and we had a really normal life. We lived in okay. an 800 square foot house with one bathroom, one window shaker, air conditioner. So when it was hot, which it gets in Maryland, every kid is 
along the bed. My dad would get out in the morning and, you know, stumble over four kids to get to the bathroom, but that was the only air conditioner. And uh, it, it was great. My dad was a, a mechanic originally, and then he was a okay. truck driver. And uh, my dad is 82 years old, and he's still driving truck. Um, wow. And I think wow. my mother likes that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's over. He's overnight for a few nights a week. No, he's not. Not at his age. So he 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 went back to his native roots, and he's actually hauling for a local farmer. So he's based okay. in Maryland, and and he'll take runs to maybe Pennsylvania. So they're about two or three hours away, and he'll do one or two of those a day and and it keeps his mental yeah, acuity yeah. sharp and my mom was a school bus driver for 35 years so, wow how about that how about yeah. that okay yeah. okay so they're still they're still uh, doing well uh, they're still the doing well and and yep absolutely okay very good well so when you went to school did you how'd you fall in love with construction like how, how did Walk me through, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you have some sort of plan? Talk to me a little bit about that early early life there. So I got a great piece of advice for a guy that my dad was working for. He was working at the time for a big trailer leasing company. So big distribution centers that they need auxiliary tractor and trailers, they would go to companies like this and say, hey, I need 20 tractors and trailers. Additional, I've got more volume, et cetera. My dad worked for that company. And his boss at the time said to me, I couldn't have been 16, 15, 16 years old. Uh, his name was Rex, very impressionable in one conversation with me. And he said, you know, Michelle, nobody cares where you go to the first two years of your college. So go to community college, save yourself a ton of money. My parents had no money. So I was going to college if I could fund it, essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I did that. I went to community college. I transferred to University of Baltimore, which was only a junior senior college. So everybody's coming in the same boat. Um, and he said, do everything you can possibly do to expand your horizons on career paths, et cetera. So during that time frame, I got a job as a senior in high school because uh, I only had to take one class. All my credits were done. So I worked all day at Coca-Cola Enterprises, which was the North Atlantic regional office for Coca-Cola in okay. the accounting department. Because I thought I'll just be an accountant. I'm good with numbers. Math made sense. Um, I did that for my senior year. And at the end, I thought, this is the worst job on the face of the planet. Why would anybody do this for a living? Like this is, it just is repetitive. And to me, it was repetitive and boring. And once you figured out the problem, you just had to repeat it millions of times over because the transactions were the same. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at an organization called the Columbia Association. And it was started in Columbia, Maryland by a name, by a guy by the name of James Rouse. And James Rouse started the Rouse Company. He built all across the country. What he built notably here in Colorado was the original Park Meadows Mall. So he was okay. a huge developer. And back in the 50s, he acquired a, an enormous amount of property in Columbia, Maryland. So if you and I worked for him, you would go and buy 10 parcels. I'd buy 10, so on and so forth. And he amassed enough property that he created the community of, of Columbia, Maryland. And, and its final build out was about 125,000 residents. Um, and they had individual villages and so on and so forth. And so I went to work for them um, and I started working for the aquatics director. And the aquatics director was trying to do construction because nobody else was doing this was, you know, 30 years ago. And um, when we were doing that, I was like, well, there's got to be a better way. Like the gal who's actually running the camp program is trying to build a community center. Like none of that made any sense. And I was a kid. So my boss and I went on to create a construction department. Um, 
and we went on to run it for 10 years. I was with them for 10 years. So we did okay. all sorts of fun projects. I mean, we built rec centers, swimming pools, meeting. I mean, just all sorts of really fun, cool things. Um, but it was, it was like a government job, right? They were a quasi municipality. So they taxed, if you lived in Columbia, you had like a piggyback tax um, and that was our revenue source. And in addition to that, we sold memberships and it was a great place to learn construction. It would not have been my first pick. It would not have been. I mean, if I had to go back in time and say, if you could do anything, what would you do? I would say, yeah, I'd be a surgeon. There's no question. I would have been a surgeon. Would have loved it. Um, but, you know, you stumble upon and then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're still doing the same thing. So at that point, does it make sense for a career change? So um, moved to Colorado, got a, got a job. Um, just lifestyle. You know, I worked when I left the Columbia Association, I worked for a large builder um, that was based in Maryland um, and I was working in Washington, D.C. So I was living in Maryland. My jobs were all in D.C. Um, and they were tough projects. These were rehabs of existing old apartment buildings. So um, it, it was it was an it was a tough environment. They were always tough neighborhoods, you know all the job sites were fenced with razor wire. We had guard dogs. I mean, it was just, it was just a different place to work. And, and you do that for a couple of years, um, especially with the same product. So we were building, uh, we were renovating and building apartments. I just found it to be a very boring product to build because I had come from so much diversity of product. You know, okay. this year I'm building a swimming pool, next year I'm building a rec center. You know, it just, it just didn't lend itself to what I wanted to do. Um, and the lifestyle was really getting tough. Making the commute to DC, if anybody has been to DC and that yep. capital beltway is like driving in LA. So oh, yeah. it, it ages you. <laughs> so, um, so we just look for a lifestyle change, looked around the country, said great place. At the time I didn't have kids. Um, so were great you, place to raise kids. Were and, you married at, were you married at the time? I was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you told was, your husband, you're like, Hey, I'm going to quit my job. Let's move to Colorado. It was actually him at the time. And now this is my now ex-husband, but and we have a great relationship. He's a great guy. Um, but he said, I could live anywhere but Maryland. I was like, okay, well, we talked about everything, right? We talked about how we would raise the children and what it would look like and so on and so forth. And so he really was the catalyst for it. And uh, it was a scary thing for me because I had, granted, I moved out when I was 17. So when I was still in high school, I was like, thanks, I'm good. I'll go now. And, and I finished high school living, you know, my own apartment. And cause I'm like, I could probably figure this out. And um, so I, but I'd never really moved out of state. I had traveled a lot. Um, so it was a scary move coming to Colorado. And I was here for about a week and just hating it, just hating, missing my family. Oh, wow. Yeah. Missing my friends. You know, I was older, but I was still, um, it was hard. It was hard to make that change at that life stage. And, uh, but after about a week, I was like, this is a pretty cool place. And by then I had a job. I had flown out. I had interviewed. I already had a job before we moved out. Okay. Um, so that, you know, there was security in that regard. And I went in as project manager for a general contractor here. And um, so that part of my life was, was fine, but um, it really opened my eyes to the diversity of the country. Now I traveled a ton, so I traveled internationally and domestically, but, but living in another place and working there is very different than working, you know, on the East coast and, you know, sort of telecommuting to the West right. coast. It, it's totally different. Um, but I loved it. And um, I worked for the contractor that I got my initial job with for a couple, three years and um, said, it just, it's not a good match for me. Um, mm. I had um, 
it was just time. And I said to my ex-husband at the time, we were getting ready to adopt children. My, we, we adopted three girls from China. Wow. Uh, my, my twins are now 19. Uh, and my youngest, um, who is also from China, is 16. Gotcha. So, yeah, so we had, you know, we had these little twin babies and uh, getting ready to adopt the third one. And I said, yeah, I just, I really just don't want to do this job anymore because it was a job. And, and what was your husband? Uh, what was your husband doing at the time? Was he working? He, he, he was not. He was actually home with the twins. Okay. Um, okay. You know, there's no family. There's no, you know, I wasn't a daycare right. kind of gal. Yeah, but, right, know, somebody right. needs to make right. a living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he said, just start your own business. And I don't think I have the skill set to do that. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. Absolutely, you have the skill set. I said, okay, I've been an estimator. I've been a PM. You know, I know enough about accounting just to be dangerous, but I can certainly read, you know, all of the, I can use, you know, read the balance sheet and the P&L and, you know, I can do projections, et cetera. I'd done, you know, a little bit of marketing, some sales. And he said, you've touched everything. Just go do it. And um, he's really the one that kicked me in the butt and said, just get out there and do it. And so I did. And uh, it was scary because I was the only income. And uh, I was fortunate, maybe, maybe it was fortune, maybe it was something else, to find um, a big contract, two big contracts with existing GCs out of Denver. And I basically went to them, this was, RhinoTracks is 16 years old, so 16 years ago, I went to them and said, hey, you know, if you're looking for a hired gun PM, uh, you don't, you know, I don't need health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need to put me on payroll, put me on retainer. Um, and and I worked with two general contractors doing two projects that they didn't really have the correct in-house expertise to run. Okay, let me let me let me stop you right there. Now, when yeah. you went to those when you went to those to get those deals, mm -hmm. were you still at Alliance and, and you're kind of like having these conversations on the side trying to line up some deals, or did you did you just quit and you're like and there was a week or a month or whatever before you got these contracts? I'm just curious. Yep, I quit. I quit. Okay. I just, I just, there was one of those, you know, the stall that breaks the camel's back and just says, okay, today's the day. Um, okay. And, and so I knew both companies by virtue of just crossing paths, right? This industry right. is fairly small. Right. Right, um, right. And so I thought, okay, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And so I just reached out to, you know, guys that I knew, I say guys generically, but, you know, reached out to people and said, Hey, what do you have? And um, so one, the very first project, which was my first, really big corporate win um, was a contract to uh, to do a renovation and a big freezer for Safeway Corporation down okay. at the distribution center in, in, in Denver. And I knew nothing about distribution. I knew nothing about ammonia refrigeration, you know, warehousing. That was a, that was a foreign world to me, but I was like, well, that sounds cool. I can probably figure that out because at that <laughs> point, you know, I had built multifamily, I had built rec, I had built other sort of commercial spaces, you know, retail space, you know, that sort of thing. So this was, it's like, it's like building a, you know, nuclear power plant. There's not a lot of people that build nuclear power plants, but if you get the opportunity to go on one and build one, it's like, well, yeah, let's do it. That'll be fun. <laughs> so that's how I got those opportunities. And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we've got this deal. We don't have the right PM on the deal. And I said, look, I'll work out of my house. You don't owe me an office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'll write your contracts. You guys can review them. Your VP of ops can be my boss and so on and so forth. And so I did that with two different companies. Um, and it was extremely lucrative. 
Gotcha. Um, in probably year two or three of Rhino Tracks, there were days I went, huh, I should go back to that retainer scenario. <laughs> 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 Before you get employees and you get all those mm -hmm. other, you know, things that come with really launching a business. Yeah. Um, I call those the good old days, right? <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why the name Rhino Tracks? Where'd that come from? Good question. Uh, so we get asked that all the time, and that's the reason why it's called that. And that actually was the brainchild of my my ex-husband. He said, you've got to name it something unusual and unique. I would never name the company after myself. It did, you know, like I would just never do that. Yeah. Um, and there's some really bad construction company names, like really like, <laughs> did you think long and hard about that? Like, what's the marketing <laughs> campaign for that? Um, and that was a name that he had had for another business that he never launched um, and said, Rhino Tracks, that's kind of cool. That's, and I love rhinos. They're unusual, um, they're strong, but they're agile. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of me. That's kind of who I am. I can, I can relate to that. And boom, we launched with Rhino Tracks. And, uh, and uh, another marketing person several years later, she said, best thing you could have ever done. And, and my ex-husband said to me, once a week, somebody will say, where in the world would you come up with that name? Right, right. When years, you checked, I'll never forget it. When you checked for the URL, was Rhino Tracks available on GoDaddy or whatever? Or do, were you it was. Immediately? Okay. It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we secured it immediately and awesome. uh, yeah, used it you. ever since. Used good for you. How, how long did you do this before you had to start hiring people? I was about about a year in, I was okay. managing the contract at, um, at the distribution center at the meat freezer for Safeway. And the general contractor that I was, was under retainer with, unfortunately they had a lot going on internally and I wasn't involved in any of that cause I'm working out of my house. Um, the company started going under. So I was having direct communication with the director of construction for Safeway out of California. And um, he called me up one day Arnie Collins, I mean, just, just gave me my big break and uh, love him to death for it. And he said, what's going on? I said, I have a fiduciary obligation to these guys. I'm under contract with them. So, and I didn't really have a lot of the internal knowing on of what was going on. So I knew subs weren't getting paid because I'm hearing it in the field. You know, I just knew things were going on. Um, and so he flew out, figured it out in 20 minutes, what was going on. And so he terminated their contract and hired Rhino Tracks. So this was now officially Rhino Tracks' first construction project okay. um, to the tune of about two and a half million dollars. And I had no staff. So they were going under, um, they were letting people go and so on and so forth. So I ended up hiring the superintendent that okay. had been the superintendent, um, hired the carpenter, so on and so forth, bought some trucks from those guys, you know, that sort of thing. Now, how did, how did, did you have the capital to do that when you had to buy all this stuff? All, how, did, how did you do? Yeah. So I started the company quite literally, I cashed in $40,000 in my 401k that I had had from a prior prior and I bought um, a computer. Uh, I bought folding tables at Home Depot. And you can talk to my staff who's, who's still with me now. They're like, yeah, we worked on those things for like five years. I wouldn't want to <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with the folding table? They're like, can we really like get real furniture? I said, eventually I said, yes, except we got new used furniture to us. Cause I was like, furniture's furniture. I mean, that stuff doesn't make any difference to me. So, um, so I had enough money and I made some mistakes. You know, I didn't want to have a lot of debt. I was, I was not risk adverse, but I also was very fiscally responsible. So, you know, I paid cash for some vehicles, you know, I kind of went through some okay. money 
okay. wanting the wanting the feeling that you know uh, the bank's not going to come knocking you know right. in six months because there's a problem or I've got a cash flow problem or what have you, and um, it all miraculously worked out. We never had a cash flow problem, Great. Uh, and it just the business just started to launch itself, and that, yeah. so it ended up working out. That contract, that big contract, when you had to hire those people, that was really a, a huge kind of turning point for the company right there. It was. And it was a nerve wracking point because that Safeway Corporation bonded every project less than 50,000. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even spell bonding at the time. I mean, bonding <laughs> is like getting credit when you're 17. It's like, please, can I get a credit card? Yes, you can get $200, you know, or whatever <laughs> it is that the bank is willing to, to secure for you. And so bonding is very much the same way as a business owner in the construction industry. You're basically saying, hey, do you trust in me to make sure mm -hmm. I deliver on these contracts? Because if I don't, uh, you've got to pay the piper and, and finish these deals. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a really hard thing to get when, when I first started because I had no history. I had history individually, but the corporation did not. So right. um, I was nervous when I said yes. I'm I'm hung up the phone. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world how am I going to pull this off? Because I don't know. <laughs> I just said yes and think I can figure that out. And uh, I think he knew. I think he knew that I didn't have the capacity to get the bonding at the time. He mm. never requested a bond. Um, wow. which was, you know, his discretion to do. He was the director of construction. Um, and he was a, just a really great mentor to me. And he really, mm. um, there were mm. times in our relationship, we, we still, we're doing a project right now for Safeway in California. Um, exactly. So they, they've just have been a client forever. And, and um, I asked him probably five or six years into it, Arnie, shouldn't we be building stores or doing store renovation, Craig? There's a whole nother side beyond distribution. He said, nah. I said, really, why not? He said, we'll kill you. The schedules are ridiculous. And he said, I will guarantee you, you'll never make as much money over there. And he was mm. right. <laughs> wow, wow. Now, now, during this time, super stressful time for you, but great for the business. All of a sudden you have employees, you're, the business is growing. What was happening with your personal life at the time? We're, we're, I'm just wondering about the timeline because you, you mentioned the ex-husband a few times, yeah. plus, you plus you adopted some kids. So you had... You were learning how to be a mom. You had brand new kids that you just adopted. All of a sudden yeah. your business is growing. Are you also going through changes uh, in your personal life? Is that when, the, I'm just curious if you're dealing yeah. with all this at the same time. Absolutely. It was, it was a big, it was a big, it started out as like a bucket and then it quickly moved to a 55 gallon drum worth of stuff, you know? <laughs> um, so I started the company at the house and I moved to the basement and I had employees coming to the basement. We were working out of the basement of my house. Wow. Um, my my ex-husband at the time had started another job or started another business. Um, he was a serial entrepreneur. Okay. And um, I had a nanny, a Chinese nanny. Actually, I'm super proud of that because she only spoke Chinese to the kids when they were babies. Now, as teenagers, they could care less about it. I'm like, this could be a great skill 20 years from now. Um, and so I could hear the pitter-patter of little feet upstairs. And, and that filled my cup up. And um, I'm a very, um, I learned very early on in order to be successful in business, you have to have an internal switch that says, mm -hmm. I am laser focused and dedicated at work, but I'm also laser focused and dedicated when I'm at home. And those mm -hmm. two, mm -hmm. when they start to get muddied um, is, is when things really start to become stressful, I think. So you, you carry mm -hmm. over um, what you had from before, from the day, um, and it ruins what should be this, this incredible thing with all these right. you know, great kids and, you know, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. So I learned that really quickly and I'm really good at it. 
Um, I practice it all the time. And um, my husband now, who works with me now, he's our, he's our VP of ops, says, done, works over. I said, you're right. You're right. Sometimes I need a reminder. Um, was he an employee? What was he? Was he an employee? Yes. yes. He was an He's, employee. I'm just, no, he was yeah. not an employee. He, he, he came, I mean, we got together and then he said, you know, he, he's been in construction for 40 years. Oh, okay. So okay. Said, okay. I, was yeah, wondering, I could I was, go work somewhere else. I'm like, well, why would you work somewhere else? Let's just okay. work together. So we are literally together 24 seven. Uh, we've been together for, for 10 years. Um, love of my life. And he fills my cup up, but he also challenges me. If I've, if people think I'm East Coast, I'm like, oh, you haven't met my husband because he's real <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's got your same speed and personality? He's probably, he probably clicks along a little faster than I do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's, okay. it's an intense environment during the day, but we really figured out a good balance to, to play well. Like when we play golf together every weekend, we never talk about work there. Um, we're raising, you know, we have a great relationship, basically a three-parent relationship now raising these kids. Uh, two of my kids have special needs, um, so they have more, you know, my 19-year-olds, you know, they're still in, in high school and, and so on and so forth, and, and they need a little bit more care and attention, and and um, everybody just pitches in and says, yep, I'll take this kid here, because the chances of them driving are probably not reasonable. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, wow. we just make wow. it work. We make it work. Yeah. Uh, your speed and personality, I guess you've learned over time when you're meeting with somebody from Colorado or, or somebody that moves a little slower, I'm just guessing you've learned how to, you've learned how to dial your style to the client you're talking to across the table. I'm just assuming. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting. I have been told let, that I'm a big personality or I'm intense. Part mm -hmm. of it is because I've already got it worked out in my brain. And mm -hmm. so I'm just delivering data at the same speed that I want to receive data. So that took a long time and I'm not particularly great at it. I will say we've lost deals because of my personality. Yeah. Um, it's okay. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. not for everybody and that's okay. <laughs> um, but it, it does take, um, it takes a conscious effort on my part right. to really slow it down. That's a, that's a thing I work on all the time. So mm -hmm. even after being in this market for almost 20 years, um, it's really difficult. The, the advantage to the type of business that I've built at Rhino Tracks is most of our clients are big corporate. So, you know, when okay. I'm dealing with Safeway, they're in California, or if I'm dealing with United Airlines, they're based in Chicago or what yeah. have you, and they do run at that speed. Right. And yeah. so it's easier to have that level of communication. But, but when we do have born and bred Everybody's here, and I'm talking the whole team, the clients from here, the design teams from here, the engineers are from here. Um, I know when to step back and give it to a manager, and yeah. and you know, and just say, hey, you you've got to run this deal. That's um, so yeah, that's a great that's a great tip for the listeners. You know, Scott and I are the same at Riderflex at our recruiting firm. My style is much like yours. You know, I'm a pretty intense guy, and so there there are clients where Scott will call me and he'll go, hey, um. Yeah, you probably don't need to come to this meeting. I'll take care of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and to be perfectly honest, there's some deals I can't sell. Even yeah. with my depth of knowledge, et cetera, things are changing now. You know, being a female in construction was never an issue for me. It was never an issue for me because I always wanted to, what are you doing? How did you do it? Can you teach me that? And everybody loves to teach their skill sets. And so I was a constant sponge through my entire career. My husband there are deals that, that only he can sell. 
Mm. You know, he's, he's got the right look. Mm -hmm. He's, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's this guy exchange. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I don't have to sell every deal. Yeah, it's okay. I, we, we, we are plenty successful with me not having to, you know, slay every single dragon. Um, and that's okay. And that's what's okay it, with me. what's it been like being a woman in a male dominated industry? I mean, I I'm assuming over the years you've dealt with some assholes or I don't know, oh, sexual yeah. harassment or, or, or just people just, you know, I talk to me a little bit about what it's been like for you. You know, I'm because I'm pretty direct. Um, you know, whenever I whenever I encounter somebody like that, now my husband's very protective of me, right? So he's ready to go out and slay those dragons. Um, <laughs> but in my career, I think because I, um, if I was vulnerable in the sense of, hey, I don't know what you're doing, I legitimately said, can you teach me that? And and you just garner a lot of respect. I legitimately wanted to know what the plumber was doing. I wanted to know what the HVAC guy was doing. How was the electrician doing his work? Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's sort of one of my keys of advice for young people. It's like go out and learn as much as you possibly can because all of that comes back to you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, were there assholes? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. there were. Um, I'm not going to change them. And that's the reality of it. I can get up on a soapbox and so on and so forth, but you know, I'm not going to change somebody that's been in the business for 45 years and he's pushing 70 years old and he's got a very clear thought on where women should be in the office and why am I not doing admin? Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I never let that chafe me and, and very, very, I mean, I can count on one hand and probably less than two fingers, the amount of awkward interactions that I have had in my entire career. And that, and I've been in, I've been everywhere in this business. You know, I've been Mm -hmm. in the field for a certain period of time in the office, in front of clients, in front of subs, you know, all of that sort of thing over 30 years. And um, I think most, most, I'll say men in this industry, because it's, you know, there's a lot of women PMs now, which I think is awesome. Um, That's, that's growing. And I think that's fantastic. I think most men, once they realize you have intellect, you understand what's going on. And if you don't, you say, just explain that to me, because I've not heard mm-hmm. that term before or whatever. It levels the playing field right out. Mm, good. So oh, good. I always, young women, I always say, you got to know your business. Um, and I think that's true of any business, but in construction, it's really true because there's some, there's some rough characters in this business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet there, I bet there is. Um, yeah. Why don't you do this real quick? Do the elevator pitch three minute Rhino Tracks overview real quick, just for the listeners. Tell us. Okay. So it's probably not three minutes because this is okay. the part that I'm really <laughs> bad about. So Rhino Tracks construction, we we founded ourselves based on a simple core ethic. Just going to do the right thing. That's how we're going to deliver the product to you. That's how we're going to treat ourselves. It's how we're going to treat our subcontractors, et cetera. If it's on the plans and we missed it, we own it. That's who we mm. are. If it's not on the plans and you want it, that's an additional cost. We are not change order kings. Um, We want to deliver good product to you. We work in the aerospace industry, transportation industry, distribution, manufacturing, um, higher ed and office. So we kind of run the full breadth of product. Rhino Tracks likes weird, unusual, funky projects. If you've got a project in a facility that's too small for the big boys, too complicated for most as far as uh, much smaller contractors, we are that contractor. We love logistically challenging projects. Uh, We've done projects, many huge win projects for us were not necessarily big dollar projects, but they were projects that really drove us to solving the problem for the client so that we can stay out of their way and they can continue to make money. 
that's what we do. How many employees? We on average, we're down now, um, but we're on average between 12 and 15. Okay. We've been and there the whole time. Um, okay. We're down now a little bit because of COVID. There's some buildings that got shut down. And so we haven't been able to get back in. We're just, it's just now starting to get to the point where it's getting back to normal, but 12 to 15, it's perfect. Uh, I don't have big aspirations to uh, increase, you know, the amount of employees and or really the revenue, to be honest with you. We, we, we have a core group of clients that we love. Uh, they appreciate us. Um, they get the value that we bring to them. And um, we're just in a really comfortable place. And we've been there for a long, long time. We've been there through the downs of 2008, 9, and 10. Um, mm. you know, Tracks doubled its volume during that time frame. We just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and we, we just maintain those relationships. My clients, our clients, they're friends. It's like, let's mm. go have a beer together. Now, yeah. we're friends yeah. at a corporate level, right? We're not gonna hang out every Friday night, but if you know, I fly yeah. to California on a deal, yeah, the director of, of construction out there, we're going to go get a beer and yeah. have lunch together. And that's yeah. just, the, that's the way I like doing business. It's contracts are always in place. You know, all of those legality things are always in place, but it's good to get conversational with your mm. clients. They appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I've missed doing that with our clients. I've missed yeah. getting together with them in person with Correct. clients. In fact, in fact, after this interview, Scott and I are actually driving down to Denver to have a lunch with a client. And then Scott and I are probably going to do happy hour after. And I was telling him last night, I'm like, man, when's the last time we had beers together? Like in person, like it's been, I, we, we didn't, we couldn't even, we didn't even know. And so today I'm actually going to go out and see human beings <laughs> and it's going to be great. Um, so, so if you signed, if you signed two new contracts that were huge, that required you to hire 10 more people, would you pass on it? Nope. You'd nope, take I it. I'd take it. Absolutely. You'd take it. Oh. Absolutely. Just like okay. if I had an opportunity, which we did, you know, two or three years ago, I got a call from a client that said, hey, can you go to Arizona and uh, do a separation in a manufacturing plant from the warehouse? Yep. Hang up the phone. I said, oh, man, I got to get my license down there. I don't have insurance down there. Um, but, you know, it's it's great client. And I said, absolutely, I'm going. And, and that's what took us to California. That's what took us to Washington State. So we will travel for the right client. And um, that's all a challenge. That's what keeps the business fresh. You know, yeah. it's a different business model when you start to travel, right? When you stay home and you're local and you can touch everything. And I liked that for a long time because if something happened, I could get there. I could get there in two hours and there's no problem that can't be solved. Short of somebody being hurt and, and knock on wood, right? We've, we've always been super safe, but short of that, um, any problem can be solved. It's just time and money. One of the that, things you've mentioned- one of the things you've mentioned several times in this interview is I just say yes and then hang up the phone and figure it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. If you yeah. want to grow your business, I don't know if that quote is from Mark Cuban or I don't know, somebody famous is, 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 has often said, look, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, just say yes, hang up the phone, figure it out. Just figure, Absolutely. figure it out. Yeah, if you want well, to you got to have business. smart people, right? So if you're an entrepreneur and you, and, and you start a business, you better have the best banker, best insurance agent, in my case, the best bonding agent and the best attorney, because you hope you never need some of those people. But if yeah, you but need you, them, yeah. they have to be in your arsenal and, and they've mm -hmm. got to know who you are. So um, I've given lots of talks about, you know, small business and, you know, really what's the key and financing is a big deal, right? And so mm -hmm. you better have the best bank and they better know who you are because when times are bad, the ones who they know, 
those are the first conversations that they're having. Um, and, and PPP is a prime example. You know, we applied for PPP on a Monday. We had the loan on a Tuesday. The money was in the bank on Thursday. Nice. If I didn't nice. know my banker, I'm probably not going to have that opportunity to have that quick transaction. And so I think that's critical. You, you just have you, to have a good team. You've mentioned the, the importance of relationships several times during this, oh, yeah. during this interview. It really is critical. I, so many people kind of miss that. You know, they're super smart. So maybe they're the super high IQ or they invented a product or whatever. That's all great. But if you don't have the people skills to manage relationships, it's probably going nowhere for you. <laughs> I 100% agree. Every business transaction in my type of business um, is, is all about the relationship. Do they trust mm -hmm. you? Do they like mm -hmm. you? Do they think they want to work with you for however long this project is going to be? And so yeah. if you create an environment where you're truly, um, truly wanting to know that person. Now, do I love every single person that we work with all the time? No, yeah, no, no. 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 Um, <laughs> can we get through any deal? Absolutely. Because I truly believe even with somebody that's oppositional on the other side, there's no problem that can't be solved. There's no problem mm -hmm. that can't be solved. Mm -hmm. And so people that get involved in big litigation and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, surely there's, there's a way to solve this problem. And I'm mm -hmm. forever the optimist. I'm always an optimist. Um, it's easier to live my life that way. Um, I'm a realist, but I'm also very much an optimist. Is your personality from, from your dad's style or your mom's? I'm just curious. My dad. Yeah, okay. my, dad. <laughs> my mom is extremely, and I would say painfully shy. This really, this, Doing this exchange, um, it, it would it would it would tear her up for weeks in advance, and during it, she probably may not get through it. But my dad is—he's uh, a super hard worker. Like I said, he's 82; he's still working. Um, he's just a get up, get it done, tell people what you're going to do, and do what you say. And that's how I was raised, and and that's the way I run the company. Uh, we're not going to not deliver on a promise. And if and Love if it. I made a promise, um, and my staff is the same way. So that's another thing that kind of keeps us a little smaller. It's hard to find those folks that walk to the beat of the same drum. Right. Um, you can find super duper smart people, but but you have to believe it. You have mm -hmm. to you have to feel it in your core, and and you can't just do it at work. So if you are authentically that way in your personal life, and it's easy to be that way in business because it's just who you are. So mm -hmm. when when you have somebody that flip flops like that, they probably are not a good match for Rhino Tracks because. We just want to do a good job. We want to do a good yep. job. We want to make our clients happy uh, and we want to make money. I mean, isn't, it, is, isn't it interesting? You know, when we started our recruiting firm, um, you know, we have a few special things we do that are a little bit different than other recruiting firms, but really it's, you know, we're all placing talent, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things we say all the time is just, just do a good job. Just, mm -hmm. just do what you said you were going to do, deliver on time, communicate well. Like it's not rocket science. It's you know, just... not. You're correct. <laughs> Even in what we're doing, I, and I often tell interview candidates, I said, look, what we do for a living, we are not curing cancer. Right. just building stuff right now it's complicated no. there's lots of parts and pieces there's lots of outside influence with you know municipalities and subcontractors and suppliers and such but at the end of the day it's it's one step at a time so we kind of have a we adopted formalized sort of our code of ethics from mm. a book that was written by james owen and it was cowboy ethics and if okay. you haven't had a chance to read the book 
um, it's fantastic. And, and it's a short read and it's beautifully illustrated. And we actually have it up on the wall in our office. So anybody who comes nice. in to interview for Rhino Tracks or whatever, looks at the wall and says, that's who it is. And it's things like, you know, um, do what you say you're going to do, never break a promise, ride for the brand, you know, all of those things. And um, if you do that for your family and you do that in your work life, I think life's a whole lot easier. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. As we move towards uh, kind of the, the last quarter of the interview here, let me ask you a few more questions. Sure. What advice would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur that was in your situation, just like you were at when you, you were working at Alliance and you're like, ah, this is not really a good fit for me. And your ex-husband's saying, start your own business and you're laying in bed and you're thinking about it for a few weeks. You know, eh, should I start my own business? There's other people listening to this episode, probably in the same situation. What would you tell them today based on what you know? Don't doubt your skill set. You know more than you are thinking that you know right now. Don't doubt your skill set. If you have been in the industry long enough and you've touched enough components of an operating business, don't doubt it. Um, I don't have to be the CFO, but I do have to know how to read my financials and so on and so forth. And that's a skill set you can get if it's not one that's sharp. So I think the, the biggest detriment for entrepreneurs is just not starting. And I think they don't get start because they get they get the analysis paralysis. But what if, but what if, there's tons of what ifs. You, you have 22 what ifs, I'll have 22 today. Um, making that first step is always the hardest step, no matter what you're doing. Um, and it's amazing. It's amazing what you can learn from others and what people will give you for free. Um, they, they give their knowledge for free and all you have to do is ask for it. And um, so, so that's probably my, my key advice. I went to, you know, I went to Johns Hopkins and I have an MBA and so on and so forth. And, and that sort of prepped me, but what it really prepped me for was use my resources really well. And when you don't know something, go find out, have someone else teach you. And it's a lifelong learning process for me. If I don't learn something new um, during the course of the day, I'm not doing it right. Um, I'm not digging deep enough. I like that. How about this? How about first time CEO advice? I, I, you know, they, they've never been captain. Somebody <laughs> started a business and they signed a big contract and boom, all of a sudden they have 10 or 15 employees and they're trying to learn how to be a CEO. <laughs> um, it's lonely at the top. It's very lonely at the top. And um, if you if you're the type of personality that delegates but does not follow up, you're going to be a short-term CEO because that's critical, right? I can delegate all day long, but if I don't follow up and make sure it got executed, then, then there's an issue. Now, certain staff members you, you have to follow up more with, et cetera, but it's real lonely there. And one of the things I learned early on was um, at the end of the day, you have to make decisions. And ultimately, to give a kind of a football scenario, I'm just trying to get to the end zone. So if I do a lateral play, it's okay. If I go back a little bit, it's okay. But ultimately, the goal is to get to the end zone. So if I run down the field like this, and eventually I get to the end zone, that's a win. And it doesn't matter what it looked like and how smelly it was or <laughs> how damaged we got in the process. It was a win. And I think CEOs get stuck. New CEOs get stuck in, my website needs to be per perfect. No, just launch it launch it. I mean, I'm on a payroll platform. They change their, their website. I don't know. Every time I log on, it's, it's a different, you know, look and feel don't get stuck in that launch mm -hmm. it, get moving. You have a good idea, get moving with it. And um, that that's probably my biggest advice. And, and 
try to find a good third party outside of your spouse, because this is where pressure gets caused to discuss what's going on. So if it's mm -hmm. your business and your spouse is doing something else or what have you, find a mentor, hire a coach. I had a couple of coaches when I first started because I, I didn't want my, my, uh, my spouse to fix me. I just wanted to run through 22 concepts at my rapid pace and have them listen because I can work it out as I'm talking. That's generally how my brain works. So if you don't have a confidant like that, um, it's really important. It's really mm -hmm. important. Get involved. I was part of Vistage um, group and, and Vistage was a great place to be able to sit around a table with, with people that owned all types of companies. And, and what you find very quickly is everybody's struggling with the same thing. Everybody's struggling with HR. Everybody, I mean, just the, the repeat <laughs> of what the issues were from CEOs that had, you know, companies of my size, smaller companies, much bigger companies, they were, it resonated across every single person in that room. So I think that is um, do it early, do okay. it early because it gets overwhelming. It, it truly does. Two more questions, the final yeah. questions here. If you had to, knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. If you could call the 17 year old girl that was packing up her stuff at her parents' house before she moved out and mm -hmm. tell her anything, what would you tell her today, knowing what you know? Um, I, would, I would have told her um, to take a little bit more risk earlier. Mm. I would have told her to take more risk. I was very linear. I, you know, I was done with my MBA by the time I was 24, 25. I mean, I just was a machine and went right through. Benefit to that, all done right? Got the degree, so on and so forth. I wished I had taken the opportunity to expand my horizons beyond just what was my linear game plan at the time. I'm happy that I did it now because it's done. Um, I wish I had traveled Europe. I, I, I just wished I'd had other life experiences um, that I didn't have until I was older, which was fine. I could afford to do it nicer then, right? <laughs> But when it came to my career path, um, you know, I may not have stayed in construction, right? I may have been jazzed by something else and I didn't really give myself that opportunity. So I always tell young people, do lots of things because the thing that resonates with you um, is, is what you're going to enjoy. And then it's no longer a job, right? That's the famous saying, right? Do what you enjoy and it's not really a job. And that's true. Um, I still love this 30 years later, but there were times that I didn't. And there were times I look back and I'm like, man, if I could have done anything else, this wouldn't have been what I picked. But um, if you do get inspired early on, um, learn everything you can possibly learn about that industry, even when you're young. Um, it really helps chart a big course for you. Very good. Last question. If I asked you to define your core purpose in life, Mm -hmm. in, a in a sentence or two, but I wanted you to separate family. So let's, let's set your husband and children aside. That's kind mm -hmm. of a different thing. So beyond your immediate family, how would you define Michelle's core purpose? My core purpose, I think, is to deliver what I promised. And that's true to my children. Um, it's true to my husband. It's true to my family, my extended family. It's true to my staff. That's my core purpose. So I wake up every day and um, if I've made a commitment, yeah, I'm going to honor it. 
Um, and it doesn't really matter what it is. I want to, I want to help people be successful. And I think in doing that, um, I'm also showing them a way to be successful that doesn't add all the extra pressures of life on top of you by, you know, half truths or, or whatever the case may be, um, being authentic to yourself and delivering what you promised every single day. And it could be, yes, I'm going to make dinner tonight or I'm going to, whatever it is. And, and I think people use a lot of excuses. Um, and my core purpose is to be happy um, and for my family to be happy. And they are happy when we all deliver on our promises. Right. Love it. Love it. Perfect. You know, I'm really glad you shared that. Um, great way to wrap up the, the, the podcast. I am a huge believer in doing what you said you would do all the way down to just small stuff. Yeah. If I say, hey, I'm going to send you that email tomorrow. I do. If I say, right. hey, hey, we're going to meet for dinner at 6 p.m. I'm there at 6 p.m. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's just the way I've always lived my life. And so many people I meet are just not like that. There's casually, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot. And I always challenge people, I say, I say, why don't you just count how many times you have to say you're sorry this week? Because right. that's an indication of you not delivering on what you said you would do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think too, I want to be authentic with you. And I want to create, if I care about you, whether you're a client or whatever the level of the care is, right? I really want to know who you are. And so I want you to feel the same way back to me. And the only way we can make that happen is if we continually deliver on the promises, because when you don't, it's kind of like, I don't have time for you then. That's right. what you're saying. You're saying that your time is more valuable than my time. And I think it's right. all just the same time. So. <laughs> Very good. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the Riderflex podcast. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone, you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit RiderFlex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.